Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Wanted to just start the show off by just saying, how is your mental health? I want to remind us to keep doing that. Uh, ask those around you who you are seriously interested in building that kind of intimacy with. How's your mental health? It's a better way of uh, starting that conversation because, again, we're letting people know we actually care about how your mental health is doing. Asking that question reminds them to actually consider their mental health. Um, and it lets them know that we're a safe space for that kind of deeper processing. When you say things like, how are you? Uh, it's a little too common. It's a cliche. Very few people don't really mean, how are you? It's just kind of a etiquette-based thing that we throw off the cuff. But when you say to someone, how's your mental health? It's us really saying, I care. You know, I'm a safe resource. Um, and also to saying, check in on it. So I want to remind everyone to ask themselves that and to ask those that they're close to and they care about that question. It's something we want to keep asking ourselves and keeping front of mind. Um, again, we're great with physical health. It's apparent, uh, apparent and overt most of the time. Mental health tends to be more covert. Sometimes we do display behavioral symptoms or signs of a struggle. So more meaningful then. But again, often it's something that's a little more covert and less obvious. So it's a really important thing to do. Also tell those that you care about that you love them. I tell all of my friends, I love them when I get off the phone, straight, gay, male, female, I want them all to know that I care for them. So um, for those that I have that love for, I say, all right, you know, great talking, love you. And they say, I love you too. It's a really beautiful thing. So I also want to remind people to try to practice that our ability or willingness to ask someone, how's your mental health or to tell someone we have love for, I love you really helps us understand both how much intimacy we can tolerate and also how close we are or want to be. If you don't feel as though you're in, if you're in a relationship with someone of any kind, it's okay. If it's casual, not every relationship is infused with love and deep processing of emotions, but if it's a best friend, a close family member, or someone you're in a primary relationship with, if you're unwilling or unable to ask such a question and to process such a thing, you got some work to do. And it also tells me, and I say this lovingly, not in a shaming way, but it's important for me to help point out where our work is. Um, you struggle to have true, honest, deep relationships. Again, if a relationship is one in which you are not able to talk about mental health issues or bring it up, that's a very superficial relationship. We, It's okay to have that. It's okay to have a multitude of those. But ideally, you have at least one person who you can process with on a, on a deeper level, try to find that person. Um, also know that there's a lot of flexibility and plasticity in relationships. So it's not always about finding someone new as much as sometimes it's about starting to normalize that. 
All relationships are plastic, meaning changeable. If you introduce a different variant and what you're going to be doing is starting to force that deeper, deeper resonating and processing by starting to ask those questions. Um, you'll be surprised at people, at people's ability to sometimes go there with you. They just maybe hadn't realized you wanted that level of depth or that you were able to sit in that level of depth. So <clears throat> again, it's not always about finding new relationships. Sometimes it's about deepening the ones we're in. And uh, sometimes we've been in a long-standing relationship and we've really forgotten to honor or to maintain that. And so for some, it's not about recreating what wasn't there. It's really returning to what is now gone and had been there. And that's, again, the difference between couples that uncomfortably sit in silence when they're eating or spending time together in the car out in the street versus those that have a lot of conversation going. Those that have a lot of conversation going have normalized the, the, the authenticity and the um, transparency of really sharing what they're thinking, what they're feeling. But when you don't have the ability to do that, you start to get quiet. There's only so much news, business, and weather you can share. And if you've spent the day together or even the day apart and nothing really dramatic is needing to be discussed, those couples or those individuals sit in silence. And so you really, really, really want to really want to practice that. Um, I personally can't be a part of any relationship that can't tolerate or allow for deeper processing. I love to transform and to be transformed. I don't really have superficial friends in my life. I personally don't have a desire for that or a need for that. I'd rather be on my own or around close friends that we can talk, you know, on those deeper levels. Um, yeah, that's just how I operate. I value that. I love that. I like to be known and I like to know, which is also the goal of dating is to know and to be known. We've talked about that, but, um, yeah. So start to ask yourself, you know, what are the relationships within which I want to kind of start planting the seeds, uh, for that? What are the relationships that maybe will never allow for that? And, um, starting to kind of normalize that you'll be surprised. Um, you know, it's something that's top of mind for me because of the work I do. But again, people that have been in our lives for a while, sometimes we let that drift or we never really created that. So see, see, make sure you have at least one person in your life you can do that with and always kind of push on those edges, you know, those edges of, um, possibility, those edges of opportunity. We're really good at backing off when we hit a limit or anxiety spikes. And it's always about extending that window of tolerance, extending the ability to tolerate more, more honesty, more authenticity, more emotional processing. Um, Cause that's really the basis of true relationship is those qualities, not, not time together. It's what we do with that time that we're together. There can be a lot of loneliness and spending a lot of time with people when we don't drop into that, which is why I personally don't enjoy bars and clubs and events like that. Because there's, you know, again, I don't drink or use drugs, but there's also a lack of ability to drop into deeper levels because it's loud, it's dark and people are intoxicated. So, you know, um, all right, we'll be back. And we're going to be talking about drum roll. How to identify if uh, maybe you're a narcissist. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right so we're back and we're talking about that buzzword narcissism i'm personally a little burnout on people slinging that word around for everything and everyone at all times it's like my God, calm down. But you know what? In the field of psychiatry, psychology, and mental health, every couple of years, we got a new buzzword that everyone's fallen under. For a while, everyone had bipolar. Then everyone was ADHD. Now everyone's a narcissist. It's quite fascinating. Um, and there's a lot of made-up definitions. There's a lot of people that aren't licensed or certified mental health practitioners creating pages and books about this topic. Not to say that all that's bad or wrong, but if you don't understand mental health or psychology on a wider scale, you can really misapply, misuse those terms when you're really maybe talking about someone with an avoidant attachment style and they're not a narcissist um, or they're a trauma victim, which every narcissist inherently is, right? And as I always say on the show, we're all narcissists. It's just how much. That's how we're socialized in our culture. Everyone's on that narcissism spectrum. We're on the spectrum for every mental health issue. Everyone's borderline to an extent. Maybe it's just pieces and sometimes in some context, but we're all in theory on that, on that continuum. So it's really how narcissistic are you? And for those that are certifiably meet all the criteria, that isn't a diagnosis that we should use to punish or to, or to like weaponize at someone. It shouldn't be something we say to someone when we're mad. If you're doing that, you're bullying them. That's actually emotional abuse to be like, you're a narcissist. Well, wait a second. Are you a licensed mental health professional? No. Okay. Well then calm down, express your needs, set a boundary, but we shouldn't be slinging that label around to harm. That is what has created the stigma around it. No one wants to be a word that has been weaponized and misused. That's part of the problem. So we can all be a part of 
changing the system within which people can get help by not misapplying that term and weaponizing it. Then people that might see themselves as having some severe traits of narcissism might be a little more willing to sit with that label and to get help, but they're not going to when it's stigmatized. And that's going to actually further trigger the armoring and defensiveness of a narcissist if you are misusing that label and weaponizing it. So it really works against you. No one is no one wakes up one day and says I'm going to be a pain in the butt and and I'm going to try to live in the live in the characteristics of some diagnosis. No one chooses to be depressive. No one chooses to be obsessive compulsive. No one chooses to have a problematic relationship with drugs or alcohol. No one chooses to be borderline or a narcissist. It is a result of trauma of some kind. Don't care whether or not you agree with that or like that term. That is what the research is showing us. These are not decisions that people make. Now, does that mean that we don't hold people accountable because they didn't choose it? Well, no. Adults are still held accountable for how they move through the world, how they impact others. But again, in order for someone to be willingness, uh, in order for someone to have the willingness to sit with a diagnosis and maybe get the help, it can't be something that feels harmful or ego dystonic, which means something that they can't confidently um, uh, identify with. So we have to make it a safe space. So again, victims of, of narcissists are going to be like, well, wait a minute. Are you victim blaming? No, nowhere in there did I say that. Narcissists, as, as all adults, whether you're dealing with, you know, if an adult is dealing with a problematic relationship with drugs or alcohol, yes, it's on them to get help for that. However, I have complete sympathy for why that developed. Uh, alcoholism and drug addiction are not diseases. They're defenses. They're coping mechanism. They're attachment issues. These are in a, these are symptoms of something deeper. They're attempting to find balance and, and regulation, and they're attempting to survive. The question is, what happened to them? So if you're dealing with an extreme narcissist, the question is, what happened to them? Why are they the way, why are they, the way they are? And yeah, we need to apply that empathetically to everyone. No one is without the, uh, the right to have care applied to them. Yes, if you're realizing you're with a narcissist, you might need to exit or set boundaries, but that doesn't mean they're bad. They're not bad. They're often unaware of themselves. And again, I'm part of healing. I'm a healer. So I want to figure out ways that we can shift culture and the conversation around this so that those individuals can identify themselves and seek help. But a lot of people in the narcissism world <clears throat> are very punitive because they've been victimized. And that's where they really get interested in this topic. And then they start identifying as everyone the problem as the problem, which is narcissistic in itself. So if you're sitting there labeling everyone as a narcissist, that actually might be you stepping into narcissism where you're never the problem. You've done nothing wrong. You have no role in all of this. And you're weaponizing that against others. That's quite narcissistic because narcissism at its base is really about a defense from feeling. It's a defense against connection. It's a defense against empathy. It's a, it's a disconnection from head and body. You're all in your head. You're all in your rational mind and you're not in your emotional mind or even your wise mind, which is a combination of rationality and emotionality. These people need help like every Everyone does. Everyone who is creating issues for themselves and others needs help. We can't just vote these people off the planet. It doesn't work like that. So again, this topic is about identifying it first in ourselves, as always, before we start pointing fingers, and also maybe identifying it in those that are in our lives so we can better understand what might be required. And I'm bringing it up often because again, this is something that's really out there in social media. And I'm seeing people misuse it and misunderstand it. And um, it keeps a lot of people very angry. There's a lot of people in these narcissistic groups and, and Instagram pages and, and you know, you know, support groups that are just angry. 
and 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 the 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 point of all that should be healing and resolve. And so if you're a part of some process therapy or a group there, whatever it is, and you're just angry, it means you're ruminating. It means you're hooked on this concept. That's a cognitive distortion. That is not mental health. You need to unhook. You need to release. You need to let go. You need to essentially move on. So that's our topic: is identifying in ourselves first. And then identifying it in others. But again, the whole purpose of tonight's show is really to build empathy around how did we get here? And some of that's our culture that's obsessed with individualism. We want people to do it on their own, not, not require the support of others. We shame people needing others as codependent. Um, and we're also wildly materialistic. We care more about objects and status and money than, than we do about relationality and emotions, as evidenced by the fact that we put jobs and money and all that before everything else. That's narcissism, that people are second. And that what comes first is status and your gym body and looking attractive and all the material items you have. That is how we raise narcissism. We need more empathy. And that's what's so hurtful when I see all these Republicans and lawmakers shutting down abortions and trans rights. That is, that's narcissism, looking out for your needs. All right, we'll be back. We're going to keep talking about this. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about narcissism and we're really talking about how to identify it first in ourselves. So we're going to go through some of the uh, criteria. And again, we want to really apply this to us because we want to understand how we impact others before you get so focused on is my partner a narcissist or my husband or a best friend and first start with yourself. Otherwise you are stepping into narcissism, a lack of empathy and care for how you're impacting others. So let's just start with that. The first sign that you're not a narcissist you are not a narcissist if you're willing to look at yourself, if you're willing to consider and think about how you impact others, if you care about the fact that the people you date and your friends with are in your care. You're not a narcissist if you're a teacher, a parent, a boss, a partner, whatever it is, and you actually care about the people that you have power over. You you think you think horizontally. You don't think you're above anyone. You don't think you're better than anyone. You don't misuse power and you care about how the people under you feel. When people say things like, it's about the grades first, or it's just, it's all about money, or I only care about my neighborhood or my family or my country, or money comes before the needs of employees, you're a narcissist. You might even, and, and again, remember, narcissism is on the sociopathy scale. So narcissism is the light version. And if you go far to the other side, you're a sociopath. You literally have no concern for others. You literally enjoy and have no problem harming others. That's being sociopathic. And a narcissist is a very watered down light version of that. And a lot of CEOs and successful people are narcissists. Because think about it. For you to get to that level, you've most likely had to deprioritize socialization, self-care, and the relationships in your family. And you've had to over-prioritize working, status, and money. And that's often how CEOs get to their positions of power. And they thrive. And a lot of people seek narcissists to be in those positions of power. They don't want anyone to care about employees' needs or employees' feelings. Um, and a lot of narcissists become and step into roles of power and status. Uh, there's a lot of police officers that have that. There's a lot of CEOs, like I said, a lot of people in the entertainment industry because they see, um, they don't feel as though they have worth or value unless they're getting that from other people. Other people become the respirator for that. They need to feel superior and they have a sense of entitlement. So it's another sign that you're a narcissist. If you think that you somehow matter more than some other person, you're a narcissist. Or that's at least a trait of narcissism. 
Because again, we all have traits of narcissism. It's how many and how much. So again, if you think because of the amount of money you make, if you think because of your race, if you think because you're cisgendered and not trans, if you think because you're straight and not gay, if you think because you're more attractive than someone or whatever it is, if for whatever reason you think you are superior to another or better than another or your needs matter more, that is a form of narcissism. It doesn't matter, you know, famous people don't have bigger needs. Like I always laugh when people take the breakup of a celebrity as something reasonable or meaningful to them. That's not your life. Let them lead their life, but they'll put their pain before someone else's, some celebrities. They want early access to things. Also CEOs and some bosses think that their needs matter more and they want a level of respect that they don't give to anybody else. I see teachers do that. I'm the teacher. I see parents do that. I'm the dad or I'm the mom, which is a form of adultism saying children's needs and feelings don't matter. And I see that with parents that need to sit at the head of the table. They need to enforce the sense of superiority to feel intact and okay. But what message are you giving those around you, your students, your teachers, your children, your employees, that there are some people that sometimes matter more? And that is actually not true. That's why I've worked really hard to treat everyone the same. No one gets special treatment from me. Everyone has worth and value. I don't go out of my way more so for one than for other. I don't believe in vertical power structures. I don't believe in domination over others. I believe in community care. I believe a balance of power. I'm a feminist. I don't believe in these vertical power structures. I don't think parents matter more. I would never say if a ship was thinking women and children first, everyone's life has the same value. Everyone please one at a time climb into the lifeboat. Celebrities shouldn't get special access to anything. They're not more special. Just because you have more money doesn't mean you matter more and should get anything that someone else doesn't get. Like, it's really wild how we do that, but that's a form of narcissism, which is very culturally supported and people have agreed with it. And that is where we've gotten into the weeds. A hundred percent. We've really told people that your status and your gym body and your beauty and your wealth is what makes you better or more important. And it's not true. And it doesn't actually even promise the gifts that people are told it does. It doesn't make you happier. (laughs) The level of happiness balances out at each level you climb. I can tell you from all the people in my private practice, those that have the most amount of money and are the wealthiest or the celebrities, they are struggling with the same issues as everybody else. But yet we've, we've built in a culture of narcissism. And social media hasn't helped with how many followers do you have? How many likes did that get? People are crying that they don't have followers. People are upset that a friend isn't following them. This is all part of that narcissism. People are upset that it didn't get a lot of likes. Narcissism. Everyone wants to win. Narcissism. <laughs> School sets it up too. You're competing with, with each other in the classroom. Narcissism. You're trying to out out outgrade someone narcissism and the funny thing about the school piece is in the real world you mainly work as a team we should be having people in school work in teams helping each other the opposite of narcissism not you matter more individualism and then i even say it all the time with how we have these boundaries oh i'm going to worry about things in my country really narcissism <laughs> all people should have you know fair wages and health care all right we're going to take a break we'll be back we're going to do some dms you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Channel Q and Odyssey will be right back. All right, y'all, we're back. And now it's time to drop some gems. That's right. I'm introducing a new segment where uh, we do a little quick deep dive into a peripheral topic and just kind of drop some gems on you. So uh, if the general topic isn't really your flavor, we got some stuff for you. So we're gonna be talking about some dating app gems. That's right. What are some things to think about if you're one of those people out on those dating apps? 
Uh, number one, be consistent. That is one of the things I hear people complain about in my office is that people are flaky. And remember, signs of a secure relationship, the kind of thing we're looking for, a securely attached individual, consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. You are looking for that. You also need to offer and provide that. Healthy, interested people like signs of interest. So if you are not keeping the conversation going or you're disappearing for long periods of time, yes, life is happening and it might be a good reason, you might be busy, but it's a red flag for a lot of people and in ways it really should be. Also, make sure you're asking questions. Too many people focus on themselves. People walk away from a conversation or a date feeling good if they've been asked a lot of questions. It makes people think that you care and that you're trying to get to know them. That's important. They should want that. They should be looking for that. Also, ask open-ended questions. Questions that aren't answered easily with a yes or a no. That stops conversations. That puts a lot of labor on the other person to keep the ball in the air. So early on, before you found your flow, it can't just be, like I said, yes or no questions or even things that aren't even a question. Some people keep putting a period on the end of everything. They answer everything and then there's nowhere to go. So keep asking really insightful, open-ended question. Also, you have to be assertive. Too many people want others to do all of the heavy lifting, as they say. They just want to sit back and be reached out to and engaged. I don't care if you're a boy. I don't care if you're a girl. I don't care if you're non-binary. We aren't doing gendered roles anymore. If you want love and you want to connect on an app, you need to be assertive. You need to put yourself out there and keep the ball going and show signs of interest because no one is chasing anyone anymore. Everyone wants to feel desired and accepted. And so we're getting rid of all that mess. Also know it's a numbers game. You know, it's going to be maybe the 12th person you talk to that where it's really going to take off and you're going to exchange numbers and maybe you'll go on a date. But you got to be there for numbers one through 11 to get to number 12. Now, that's an arbitrary number. It's just to point out that you can't talk to a few people or be on there for a few weeks and think, I, I've exhausted myself. No, there's always new people joining and new people leaving. So it's a numbers game. You have to be there to be connected with at the right time. Also, FaceTime and phone call before you go on a date. It'll save you time. It'll also help you weed out who's really interested. If someone's truly single and truly available and truly interested in you, if you say, let's take it to the phone, let's get on FaceTime, let's meet each other, it's a really good date. It's a pre-date or it's a date itself, however you want to look at it, but it'll help you decide whether or not you want to actually take time to go meet them at a restaurant or a coffee shop or a park. Because if you can't even sit on the phone and have a good conversation for a few minutes, there's no way you're going to enjoy sitting at a dinner table or going for a walk with them. Also remember, interested people like signs of interest. So if you're playing coy or you're playing hard to get, that is only going to work for people that aren't actually interested in an intimate, close relationship. No one who's healthy chases other people. The minute they see signs of someone not being interested or not available, they move on. So if you're interested, let that be known. Be vulnerable. Interested people want to know that. They're excited to have found someone that's interested in them. There's no such thing as being too available for someone who actually is available and likes you. That is old school behavior. We used to think we had to manipulate or play games to get someone. Healthy people like authentic present people. If you're playing games and manipulating, then that tells me it's a self-esteem issue that you don't think you're good enough as you are and you think you need to use tactics to be wanted. And guess what? If you need to play games to be wanted and to get someone, you're going to have to keep playing games to keep them. 
healthy, interested people are assessing for compatibility and chemistry. And the only way we really assess that is through honesty. So show up as yourself and let other people show up as themselves. And those are the gems I got for y'all for dating apps, because we all need a lot of help, <laughs> more help, more help than just this little segment can give us. We'll be doing some DMs though to close out the show. So if you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. It's all there. You can binge post, re-listen and share. But uh, we got a whole lot more coming up. So don't go anywhere. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about narcissism tonight. And, um, you know, I'm being a little heavy handed because I think the problem is we see it all the time as an individual thing. And, and, and if you were listening to the earlier segments and if not go to, we you can check out the past episodes, listen to what we just talked about. Um, is because we're not looking at the macro cultural level that we all are participating in where we tell people, Oh, you're special for certain reasons and you should, you know, you're more special if you're famous, you're more special if you make money, you're more special if you're attractive. None of those things are true. That's the culture of narcissism. Having people care about how many followers and how many likes they get, culture of narcissism. Having people compete with each other for things, culture of narcissism. Having people in positions of power and how people use that power determines whether or not they're a narcissist. And remember, narcissism is on the continuum with, with being a sociopath. Sociopath is the extreme form. Narcissism is the watered-down form. It's all about how much concern do I have for other people? What role do I perceive other people to have? How do I interact with them? How do I treat them? That is really the best diagnostic tool. Do I think I'm superior? Do I have a sense of entitlement? Well, that's the opposite of empathy and care for others. That is narcissism. Do you have signs of that? Do you have excessive need for constant praise and admiration? Do you make everything about you? Is every conversation, no matter what the topic is, somehow brought back to you? That is narcissism. Always centering yourself. Um, perfectionism is another one. And again, I think that that is culturally created where we think our worth is tied to our performance. Our worth is there because we're a person. Our performance and our productivity shouldn't matter. If you sign up for a job or you sign up for a gig, do your best, but your worth isn't tied to that. There's other factors that matter, your mood, your ability, your mental health, your interest, but we're trying to drift away from our worth as a human being tied to our performance and our productivity. It's far more complex than that and you have worth regardless. And I wish we would drop the bar on that and stop looking at grades and job performance and wealth and status as, as indicators to your worth as a person because that's narcissism. And it should be more, are you a good person? How do you treat other people? Are you empathetic? That is what your worth and self-esteem should be tied to. That's what I'm advocating for. I don't care if you have a gym body. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what your status is at work. I care how you treat other people, period, end of story. And that's what I'm also trying to advocate for single clients to focus on when they're dating. Look for people that also think in those terms. Otherwise, you will get pulled into that trap and they will be looking at you as an accessory for their ego. They will want you to look and act a certain way and perform a certain way because their ego is dependent upon you and how people perceive you. They move through the world with imaginary audience, thinking that People care about what they're doing, driving, and what they look like. And a lot of people, when they imagine dating someone, they imagine what would people think? That is us stepping into narcissism. And that's why I say to people, what should you wear? The things you're comfortable wearing. Stop worrying about what you think other people want from you. That's us moving away from narcissism. The opposite of narcissism is authenticity and empathy. 
If you're just being yourself, doing what what makes sense to you, caring for others, you're moving away from narcissism. But if you care about what you look like, you care about what you're making, you care about what other people look like, you care what other people are making, you care about status, you're living in narcissism. It's not about humanity anymore. It's about all of these people, places, and things as being tied to your ego. Your ego is being held up by it. And I see that with dating. I see that also with socialization. If you walk into a party, do you only talk to the attractive, popular people? Narcissism. It's dehumanizing. It's putting people on a scale and you're determining their worth based on their attractiveness and their social capital. That's gross. It's also gonna keep you from meeting some great people. When you sit at a dinner table at a dinner party, do you also try to sit with the popular, well-dressed, attractive people? If I looked at photos on your social media, are all of your friends gym-bodied, well-dressed, attractive, whatever else kind of thing? Narcissism. You're looking for perfection. You want people to perceive that photo and think a certain way of you. You need to be seen a certain way. So if you're choosing what photos you post, who you're posing with, where you go based on how it impacts how you're seen, narcissism. If instead you're posting authentic photos based on who you enjoy and the things you like to do, not narcissism. See how that works? We're talking about it in a very global sense so we can identify it in ourselves. So try having friends that you don't deem to be attractive. Try talking to people that you don't deem to be popular or attractive. Try going to places that aren't cool. Try wearing the things that that make you happy and you're comfortable in even if it's not trendy or fashionable. That is how we move away and try to dismantle narcissism. Try caring about people's feelings. Try putting people before money and your job. Try showing up to things that your friends invite you to whether it's cool or not. That is how we move away from narcissism. Any movement away from performance and perfectionism and beauty and status and finances is a move in the healthy direction. We all have work to do because we're all part of maintaining the system that tells people your worth as a human being and your goal in life should be to meet a criteria that has nothing to do with your character or your integrity, has nothing to do with how you treat people, but has everything to do with what you have. That's gross. That's not mental health. And that's also not like what this, what our culture should be rooted in. And again, I see that a lot with people's social life, but also their dating life. And I see that in partners telling their other what they can wear, that they need to lose weight, all sorts of messy, unkind things. Um, All right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about narcissism. Um, I want us to all really understand how it's a system that we keep in play as opposed to just, excuse me, blaming people as though they make that choice. I want us all to see ourselves as a part of this and see that we have it all in us and that we help create a world that makes these people need to be the way they are, to soften and to build empathy. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about narcissism, how it's a system that we're all a part of perpetuating and creating and that we all have work to do. And anytime we're focused on superiority or entitlement, basically implying that we or someone else is better than anyone else, that is us keeping that system alive. And then we can't act shocked or wounded when a narcissist hurts us because you spend your life maybe creating those people, helping create those kinds of people. So if you don't think narcissism is healthy, if you've been injured by a narcissist, it's not just about cutting that person out, it's also about saying, let me change the system because I've helped create that kind of person. Remember that we can't just complain about the extreme heat in the summer. We are all helping keep climate change going. So instead of just complaining about the heat, also maybe work on 
dismantling and pushing back on, on the climate issue. Like step into the solution on a larger scale. Most people want to just shrink it down and blame people and, and kind of keep that word stigmatized, which is also how and why people don't get into treatment. No one wants to own a label that we're weaponizing and shaming people for. Um, so again, narcissism would be always centering yourself, not worrying about the needs of others, being selfish, um, unable to really work through or process things. Again, narcissism is a defense. It's an armor. It's not a choice someone makes. It's a response to life events and traumas, and they don't feel safe sitting in their body or in their feelings or with others. They, they haven't been shown to have empathy. They haven't been raised in an environment where it was okay to do that, where care was offered to them so that they could understand how to offer care to others. It's an environmental piece. It's a psychosocial thing that's created. And we wanna build empathy for that. Um, I'm just trying to look at some of these personal traits really quickly. Um, yeah, so, sorry, I'm just looking at this, okay. So now we kind of want to globalize that in a larger scale. Um, before we ever <laughs> lazily armchair diagnose someone else, right? We want to help understand how we might be creating the dynamics around which this person is forced to show up in that way. Because before we blame someone, we want to first rule ourselves out. I'm not saying that there isn't a chance that someone is just, you know, without empathy really focused on their ego, very narcissistic, and maybe you are completely victimized by it. Maybe you've tried to help them understand that you have needs. Maybe you've tried to set boundaries and advocate for yourself. Maybe you've lovingly tried to share with them, hey, sometimes it's really hard because you seem to make everything about you and it doesn't allow me to make anything about me. Maybe you've lovingly said, hey, I sometimes feel let down or disappointed and here's what I need from you. Like maybe you've lovingly done that work because I will always advocate before we decide what's possible, before we cut someone out of our life, you have to first at least make one or two or three attempts I prefer people make a few. If it's a healthy relationship that just has a few of these traits, uh, you want to still advocate for your needs and give this person an opportunity to maybe self-reflect and adjust. We don't want to automatically assume this person's a narcissist, nothing's ever going to change. That's a little drastic and a little severe. We always want to hold space for growth and change. And that does happen sometimes where people are like, you know what, you're right. I've heard that before or you mean enough to me. Bam. They're working on it. But then there's times where they'll defend, blame, gaslight, hit the ball back, deny, get angry, and then you can realize this isn't going to change and I can't settle for this. But you need to circle that block more than once. Otherwise, I'm afraid you might fall victim to kicking people out of your life every time someone disappoints or frustrates you. And we wanna make sure we're not doing that because that's not what this is about. And I've seen some people do that where they literally won't tolerate anything annoying or frustrating or disappointing. They literally are looking for perfection and that doesn't exist. And they'll say they know it doesn't exist, but by process, that's literally what they're actually looking for though. So you have to be willing to stick around and do some work. Otherwise you're kind of a narcissist, right? Like you're putting yourself first, you're blocking out their humanity. There's no empathy for maybe them not, you know, being introspective or understanding or whatever it is. So we want to make sure, again, we're not acting that on, out on someone else and denying them a chance to maybe be better because I think that that's very, very, very important, giving people a shot. Um, so some of the more watered down ways is uh, always talking about themselves. Are you always talking about yourself or do you start a conversation with how are you? 
do you at some point in the conversation acknowledge that maybe that person hasn't said much and you say to them, tell me about your day. So checking in on others and asking those questions is a way we can break through that. And again, on the inverse, if you're always if you're always in conversation with this person, whoever it is, and they're never ever saying that to you, we, we want to still again do that work of reminding them like, hey, it was really great hearing all about your day. Can I share with you how my day was? And their response to that is going to kind of indicate their level of narcissism. But again, as you're noticing, I'm all about giving people a shot. We're always letting people know where we are and what we need. Um, another, another key thing you'll hear all the time is a lot of controlling behavior. Um, they don't like to have to accommodate another person. Uh, so it's like on one world, in, on one hand, in one world, it's appropriate for someone to be frustrated if you're always running late. That's not always a form of control. But then there's the narcissistic version where they want perfection and it's about them and they don't like being put out. And so there's no accommodation for you running late or again, having a need. And that's why one of the things I tell people to do when they're first dating um, or even just to check in on this later down the road is to have needs. And when you express your needs, healthy people will listen. They'll hear you. They'll want to fix that. They'll want to accommodate. But if every time you express a need or a concern, you're blamed or it's shut down or they block it or they deflect, you're dealing with a severe narcissist, someone who just can't soften into introspection, someone who just can't ever soften into you having a concern. Because part of the deal whether it's a friendship, a family relationship, or a romantic relationship, because no one's let off the hook. I don't care if it's your brother. I hate when people do that, but it's their brother. No, that doesn't mean we stick around and deal with toxicity or abuse. No way. Same expectations on everyone. We have to be able to have our needs considered for anyone to be a part of our life. And that's one of the most beautiful tests of mental health, having needs, vocalizing them, and seeing what the person does in response. Surefire test. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to keep this discussion around narcissism, and then we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around, though, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, so stick around. All right, y'all, we're back, and we're finishing up our discussion on narcissism, uh, really trying to identify it first in ourselves and looking at how we all really uphold this system of narcissism by focusing on optimization and perfection and no pain, no gain, and caring about how we look and anti-aging and uh, status and wealth. That's all narcissism. It's the opposite of empathy. It's the opposite of care. It's a vertical power structure, not horizontal. It's really seeing ourselves and others' worth as tied to what they have and what they produce and their performance. That is narcissism. Even in school with grades, narcissism. You're training everyone from the day they enter school to care about their performance and that their worth is tied to their performance. That is classic narcissism. We cannot be shocked that that is a cultural norm. Instead, it should be, you're graded on how you treat other people. People are like, well, that's ridiculous. No, actually it isn't. Imagine if we cared a little bit less about performance and we cared more about collectivity and community and how to be relational and how to care for others and how to help others. People wouldn't have the Sunday scaries anymore. People might enjoy their jobs. If we got rid of these power structures and control, yeah, we'd actually have a mental health centered world, but instead we're competing with each other and we're tied, our worth is tied to our performance and to our productivity. That is narcissism. We can all help to dismantle that. Getting away from the idea that my job is to be desirable, getting away from this idea and obsession with aesthetics, that is narcissism. So if you spend a lot of time and money on your appearance, you are 
exhibiting traits of narcissism. That's what you think it matters more. That's what you think is important. That's what you're centering, not your characterological style, not your emotional health, which is why I'm always saying to people, hey, how much time a week do you spend on your mental or emotional health? And most people, the answer is zero. But how much time do you spend on your beauty, on your status, on your body, on your wealth, you know, accruing wealth? And a lot of people will say my entire week. And it's like, exactly, narcissism. I'm not saying those things don't matter, but I'm saying we've culturally made them all that matters. I don't see on dating apps people saying, be kind, ba 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 ba, And you rarely see that. Often though, people are talking about your body shape, your body size, your income, your job. It's a mess. And we all culturally participate in that. We need to be breaking that down. Um, I mean, even like the whole concept of selfies and the way we go about them, it's not even anymore about just sharing with the world what we're up to and what we're doing and keeping close with people. It's now really about how we want to be perceived. So even the whole world of selfie is about exhibitionism wanting to be perceived a certain way, wanting to demonstrate status. That's why people are taking pictures with things that aren't even theirs, pretending. Um, and that's why I say, go on someone's social media and you'll see what they care most about. Go on social media, someone's social media, and you'll see how narcissistic they are. Is it all about their money, their body, their wealth, and their beauty? That's them centering narcissism. That's important to them. Be very thoughtful about stepping into that. But when you go on someone's page and it's funny memes and pictures of their dog and a meal they made, feel a little bit better because they're demonstrating what means more to them. We tell on ourselves all day long, and our social media is a really primary site where we really demonstrate that. Um, if you're constantly going to see how many likes you got, how many people are following you, you're upset that friends don't follow you, that's ego and narcissism. It doesn't matter who follows you. Let your page be available to those that are interested in what you're putting on there and out there, and if not, not. But when someone, if someone reaches out and they're like, why don't you follow me, I refuse to answer that. I'm not feeding your ego because, of, because what you post isn't of interest to me, obviously, because a lot of what people post is rooted in narcissism and materialism. And I personally don't need to be flooded with that on my feed. That does nothing for me that is not inspiring and that's keeping me trapped in a world I don't want to be a part of. I don't follow any of that crap. I, I don't, I'm not impressed by that at all. Do not care about your watch, your car, how much weight you lost. Don't care. Tells me nothing about you as a person and that doesn't inspire me. There's nothing for me to do with that. You know, there's nothing transformative in that. Um, here's another sign of narcissism. Are you unaware of how you impact others? Are, are people frustrated and struggling with you, but they're unable to tell you? If you can't have someone you care about lovingly tell you that they're struggling with you or that something upset them without you saying, please tell me, I'm sorry to hear, here's how I'll fix it, you are struggling with some narcissism. People have to be able to approach you and talk about that. Um, I'm looking at another article, and again, we kind of talked about this, but do you think that you deserve special treatment for some reason? That's narcissism. No one deserves special treatment. People deserve access and care based on what they need and who they are, meaning some people have disabilities and they will need a ramp, they will need help walking, they might need a different level of access, but that's about accommodating based on where someone's at. That's very different from thinking you inherently are better than someone and deserve something. Um, and then I think finally we'll kind of land on this one. Do you see certain people and things as extensions of yourself being so focused on presentation that your children have to act and look a certain way, the friends around you have to act and look a certain way, et cetera, et cetera, otherwise you feel embarrassed? Well, that's you, again, being narcissistic because you're caring more about form and presentation and perception than you do about the care and the kindness and the fun of the people you're around. So we gotta flip that. So really sit with this. I know it can be really hard for some people to, to feel like they got called out a lot, but like, you're welcome. 
that is how we be better. That is how we change the world and be a part of that macro level shift. We're starting with ourselves first and trying to change the culture that is creating those narcissists versus just blaming people. That doesn't help. There's nothing constructive in that. We have to look at how we maintain that. Coming up next, DM y'all, so stick around for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, so stick around. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I gave birth to my son about eight months ago. Congrats. We've been doing pretty well, but I realized that my husband has changed a little bit. He's not as energetic. He's not as fun. And he just wants to stay home with the baby instead of going out on date nights or seeing our friends. Can men experience depression after their child is born too? A hundred percent. Men also, this is, this is what's so distressing to me is we really gender things and we think women are innate natural caregivers. No, no, no. Everyone has the capacity to be a caregiver if they're socialized into that skill set. But we socialize men away from caregiving and away from emotions, literally from birth. We treat men and male babies differently. We're rougher with them. Men also play sports where they're side by side and it's all about competition and performance, where girls tend to play games in their youth where it's face-to-face and it's intimacy building. Very different, and we often don't even give men the opportunity to try to be a caregiver. But as we've seen with single fathers and gay male couples, they crush it. It's just sometimes different. Children just need primary caregivers. They don't need gender training and gender socialization. In fact, that's often a trauma. They're forced into participating in certain things, liking certain things, wearing certain things. So yes, men also love their child. Men also want to nest and be a part of their child's life. Men also want to be present. Men also have emotional shifts and changes as the result of birthing a baby. They might not physically birth the baby, but emotionally and psychologically, they are in it as well. So yes, men can have different experiences of childbirth also. We got another one that says, Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Aaron. I've been dating this guy for almost eight months. We got Coachella tickets together. He had asked me what I thought about maybe being single 
at Coachella. Like we're gonna go together, but if we each find someone attractive, we might give each other passes for the weekend. I told him I wanted to think about it. All my friends think it's ridiculous. <clears throat> now, I'm just feeling like if I say no, he won't go with me. If your part, <laughs> everyone has to be able to be told no. Let me just start with that. And if you don't feel safe saying no, then I don't trust or have confidence in your yes, because then it's being done under duress. It's not a true yes. And how couples deal with disappointment and conflict really tells us about how much they care for us and how much trust and how much commitment they have. So, you know, again, if I bought tickets with someone to go to a concert, it's usually because I want to spend that time with them. If I bought tickets to go to Coachella, which is not my jam and I would never do it, it's very overwhelming in my head, but yeah, I'd want to spend the weekend with them. So be honest. Your job isn't to be liked and your job isn't to always center what this other person needs. So I'd be honest. I want to go to Coachella with you. I want to spend it with you. If you want to have sex with others, let's talk about that maybe when we get back home. But while we're there, <laughs> I want to be there with you. It's called a shared experience. It's called a romantic weekend. So I think it's very understandable and reasonable that you didn't buy these tickets to go spend the weekend on your own. Because that's that could be what happens, an imbalance. Which also, he's really misunderstanding. What if you met someone if you said yes, and he's spending the weekend alone? Like, are there other people there you know? Because if there's a potentiality that he's off with someone and you're spending it by yourself, what a horrible way to spend a concert weekend um, as opposed to using it to bond. So be honest, that doesn't feel comfortable for me. I don't feel comfortable telling you no, and um, I have to be able to tell you no, and my needs have to matter, and I wanted this to be a romantic bonding weekend. I think that that's very fair, and I think that's very appropriate. But then you also have to be open to hearing his response back, because he might say, that is what this is about for me. So there's no right answer or wrong answer. There, there really never is a right or wrong. It's more about preferences, and how couples manage a preference is what matters most to me. And that's why I'm usually more about the process and less about the content, because there's always going to be things that are frustrating or disappointing, and I want you both to be able to manage it well. So this is an opportunity to practice that. But looking at the content specifically, yeah, I think it's very fair that you had a plan to spend it with him for the weekend and you can ask him to still be a part of that. And maybe we can try being with others when we get home. Um, so talk it out, you know, more to come. All right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, and past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Um, spend the rest of the night, though, focused on self-care. We need to work less, hit 70% max. We're not trying to burn out. Focus more on joy and pleasure, you know, some leisure. Um, but we'll be back tomorrow night, so join us then. As always, y'all, Thanks for hanging out. Y'all enjoy the rest of the night. Be kind to each other and have a good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 